You're listening to the Women in Western podcast with your host, Cheyenne Draves. This is a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business and fitness with an emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Western podcast. I am so excited to be back podcasting and interviewing. You guys have no idea. Um, I did take a little break from the months of September and October. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode and get caught up, go ahead and listen to that episode I released last Friday. Kind of just went over um, all of the big changes that have happened in my life and why I physically could not handle podcasting in September and October. But I am back. I have amazing guests. I am so excited for this season. Um, With that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started with this week's. Every week, I like to start every episode with a highlight of the week. And honestly, my highlight of this week is just getting back into podcasting. It's a lot of work for those of you that um, have never tried podcasting before. You have to set up your interviews, you have to edit, you have to upload, you have to keep up with social media. I'm really thankful that I have help this season um, with a new social media manager and graphic designer. Her name is Danielle, and she has been phenomenal. And we have a lot of things in store this season. She helped me with a complete rebrand, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but there might be some merch floating around. Um and I don't want to get too, too, too ahead of myself, but uh, let's look out for that on Black Friday, shall we? Um, so that is my highlight of the week is just being able to get back into podcasting. And we started off this podcast season with a bang, ladies. Let me tell you. So when we started this podcast back in March of this year, I had a Google Doc list of potential guests to have on the podcast. And this person was on the top of the list of like someone that I would I only could dream of having on the podcast, which makes this interview so special to me because she said yes to being on the pod and she took time out of her extremely busy day to be on the podcast. And that is none other than world champion barrel racer, entrepreneur Fallon Taylor. Um... I don't barrel race myself. And honestly, I'm not even a big fan of barrel racing, if I'm being honest. Like, I I don't have anything against it. I just don't do it and I don't watch it. Um, But I have been following Fallon Taylor since 2013. There's been something about her that has always captivated me. She has been through so many hardships and she's someone that has so much content on the internet. So if you don't know who she is, um, like I said, she's a world champion barrel racer. Short synopsis. So she began barrel racing at a very young age and I believe she was one of the youngest females to ever um, compete at the national finals rodeo when she was a young teenager. Then when she was a young adult, she took a break from barrel racing to go pursue some modeling and acting. And then when she came back, she got in a really bad horse wreck and doctors told her that she had a 2% chance to live. She broke her back and had to learn how to walk again. Um, She has a whole interview with Ed Milet on his podcast. If you guys don't listen to the Ed Milet podcast, you need to. Um, It's such a moving story um, just of that hardship alone. And then all of the other things this woman has been through. She has an entire documentary um, series on YouTube called Unfiltered, um, where in 2020, as we were all going through hardships, Fallon was dealing with the loss of her mom. She was dealing with um, a very, very poor prognosis for the horse that she um, started her career on. So 
you know, if you want to hear about that story, she's got an entire YouTube documentary on. She also has a multi-million dollar business called Ranch Dressin, and she has a documentary on her YouTube as well called Building the Brand, and it's talking about how she created this business with little to no... Um, experience or anything like that. So very inspirational human being. If you are listening to this podcast to learn more about who she is, uh, I suggest pausing this and going and catching up on all the content she already has on the internet. What this podcast is, this interview, is we are basically just going over all of the things that are currently going on in her life. Uh, She's gone through so many changes lately. Um, She's bought a 100-acre ranch. She has bought a new stallion, and she has become a mom, which is one of the most important jobs that us as women can do. And she has such amazing insight into motherhood, being a new mom, postpartum, breastfeeding, all of those amazing things, Um, especially for those moms that either feel like they lose their identity after having a child or moms that are super goal-driven and just need some validation um, post-motherhood. So I am just blown away by this interview. When I tell you guys this was a dream interview for me, I was so nervous to get on the Zoom call with Fallon to do this interview because I have always dreamt about having a conversation with her. And when I tell you she is just as nice, you know, face-to-face talking as she comes across on social media, I'm not lying to you. And I've met her a couple of times, like at Greeley Stampede. Um, I believe I audited a clinic of hers that she had back in like 2017 um, when she used to do clinics and, um, you know, stuff like that. I'd met her here and there, but never was able to have a conversation like this with her. And I am so blessed that she took time out of her busy schedule to do this. You will hear her son, Brand, kind of making some interjections on the way. She's an amazing mom and Brand was with her the entire time. And I was actually quite surprised with how well he did for eight months old. But with that being said, let's get right on into the interview. I cannot believe that I was able to do this. It was such an amazing experience. Let's get into it. All right. And right now we have on the podcast, Fallon Taylor herself, world champion barrel racer, entrepreneur. I am so excited to have this girl on right now. Fallon, go ahead and introduce yourself to those people that may not know who you are. I highly doubt anyone that's listening to this doesn't know who you are, but go ahead and introduce yourself, girl. I have not ever introduced myself. I am a chick that really likes horses and have found ways to pay for this. And love done it. All right that's, doing the, that. <laughs> that's the perfect way to introduce yourself. I love it. So Fallon, I am so excited to have you on today because I have so many questions to ask you about just the current thing that's going on in your life right now. You have so much content on the internet. If people don't know that you have YouTube, Instagram, You've been on like countless podcasts. So if anyone wants to hear anything about your story and like the past 30 years of you, you know, professional barrel racing or anything, they don't need to be listening to this podcast. Like you've been on the Ed Ed Milet podcast. You, you have documentaries unfiltered and you're building a brand ranch dress and documentary. No one on here, you know, needs to be here to listen to your story. They can go listen to all that. I really want to focus on um, just the life that you've built to get to where you are today, because I've been so I've been having so much fun watching where you are now in your life. Like you seem to be at a point where things are kind of like I don't want to say coasting, but you've worked really hard to get to where you are now. I'm I'm struggling with this phase of life, if I'm being really honest with um, like over dinner last night, I was like, I'm just really happy. Like, I'm just really happy. And so it's making it harder to be honest, to be just completely transparent, to um, 
to put out more content. And here's why I feel like when you begin, when you start, you really kind of want a lot of people, when you ask them what they want to do, they want to make it to the NFR. And when you ask them why, and you ask them to dig in, it's because they want somebody somewhere to have to know that they've been validated, that they've increased their credentials, that they've done the thing that somebody told them that they couldn't do. So now when I feel a lot of validation from, um, I feel like a good mom, um, I feel like a good wife, I feel like a good business owner, I feel like a good horseman, I feel like I built a good program. Um, I, my, my need for outside validation as um, my opinion of myself has gone up and my self-worth just has risen, I feel a lot less need for validation. And what that has made is a lazy influencer. <laughs> because, But I love it. That's, that's a good place to be, right? It's like, it's made me be like, if you don't like it, I don't care. And, and frankly, I haven't made a lot of podcasts because I'm, I'm worried for what I might say. <laughs> I'm worried for like, for like me to be like, I do not care. Like I'm at a place that I never really thought I would get. And so many things had to happen and so many fiery hoops had to be jumped through. And I feel like if I had to go back and you, and you told me all the things I would endure and all of the pain and all of the sacrifice and all of the compromise to be right here, I would do it again. But I think that is why all of our dreams aren't unfolded in front of us quickly. I think that's what, because I don't think, I don't know that every person would go, yeah, no, I, yeah, I could take all of the internet hating me or trying to cancel me over um, my style or, you know, what I wear or, you know, because they didn't hear the full story from me and some crazy lady went live on Facebook and, you know, like all of those things, could you, could you endure that all at once? Absolutely not. But in phases of it and I think that it's made for really tough skin and um, I've wanted to not be jaded. So I think that in this time of motherhood where I'm really protective, I've been a lot less vocal um, simply because I will not be quiet if it's to protect my son or my family at this point where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know my claws are out. <laughs> I want to be exactly. kind and gentle and, um, and be you know, inspirational, but at the same time, like still protect, protect my family. I show a lot less, I think, than I used to. Right. And I think you've reached this like point of, I mean, I don't want to say it's like maturation, but just like being a mother where, I mean, I've been following you since 2013 and I've seen you go through like a lot of it and seen, I mean, girl, unfiltered is like my comfort watch. That's what I put Uh, on YouTube when I'm like (laughs) doing my makeup and stuff. But, um, it's like seeing the things that you're posting throughout the years of like you saying that you couldn't afford to eat a hot dog at a rodeo and you're, you know, doing this stuff. And then you're going through all the things you went through in 2020, like losing your mom, losing like the horse that built everything for you. And then now you're at this point where you're like, I don't need to like share that giant struggle anymore on the internet to, like you said, gain the validation. And if I am going through a struggle, I I don't need to be sharing that. Like I'm at a point I'm copacetic. We're good. I love that. I love to see that. I think that um, a lot of people too, like the reason for sharing all of those things was to allow people to know that they're not alone. And so I feel like, you know, I've shared so much of it now that it's like, I don't feel like when I stub my toe, I need to share it to let you know that I'm still going through things. You know, we put plenty of it out there and every single person has a story. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that every single person has 
some major story that they've gone through that, you know, is a big deal. So I don't want to take away from other people's stuff either at the same time. So I just, it's an interesting place and I'm really excited to do a podcast to talk about it. Oh, it's so true. And yeah, I have so many people on the, that come on this podcast that are like, I'm not qualified. Why are you asking me to be on there? I'm like, girl, you've got a story. You, right. You've told me your story and everyone need people need to hear this. Um, So talking about kind of where you're at now, I want to first talk about Mega Ranch. You guys recently purchased a new place and we call it Mega Ranch. And was this like always a dream of yours to like expand to something away from your original ranch or did you plan on staying there? Um, How did that come about so the setup just so everyone knows was um alex and i in dallas hour and a half from the ranch in collinsville which we call the ranch um the ranch houses um housed all of our horses our training program our on-site cult starter and on the other side of the ranch um ranch dressing tactical saddle sack and the corporate offices for that um so it's shipping it's receiving it's picking and packing it's ads it's marketing and it's the horse training facility. There is a house on there and I did live, um, it was my primary residence. Um, but as YouTube grew, we started to run into some issues of, um, my safety to be able to stay there. And so that, um, as wild as it sounds, it was a major safety issue for me to stay there. Um, so, and that was kind of like the height of the height of you, of like, YouTubers that were vlogging every day and we were vlogging every day and, um, it became really wild. We still are vlogging, but not every single day. So Alex and I definitely made the decision that we were going to, um, purchase our first home together in Dallas. I was, um, we were living in an apartment, a loft there, and then, um, he was working there, um, at his company. So it just made really good sense. Driving 90 miles one way each day just did not make a lot of sense you know, I have the Tesla, so it worked out great because I wasn't doing much of the driving. Um, but still it just, it started to take a toll on me. And then I preached this, that everything you can measure, you can progress. So as I started to write down, um, I think we were using, we were losing an entire month a year by the, by the community. So when Alex and I decided to work together, um, and he step away from man sports, we were like, we can't lose that. I think it was like 34 days a year or something in the commute. And then you just have enough time to go to sleep. So it just, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for us. So we started to look at acreage and, um, of course, write down goals. And we wrote down that Alex was dead set on having over a hundred acres because he wanted to hunt. And for me, financially, a hundred acres just seemed scary And so, you know, no matter how much you preach about expansion or goals or all of those things, every person has limiting belief, like every single person. So, you know, I was fighting my own demons of like, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford over a hundred acres and, you know, how are we going to build a home at the same time? And inflation is like at an all time high. And how are these things ever going to happen? And we wrote it down and one night on the way home fighting traffic together, um, we came home and I, as we were pulling into the garage, I pulled up Zillow and our mega ranch was on there with a big price cut. And I was like, look at this place. And he was like, that's the place I showed you a few months ago, but it was significantly higher. We should call them. And I still today, it's, it's such a God thing when you see it and when you talk about it, because this place has absolutely everything we would need. And there's absolutely no reason that we should have been able to snatch it up in the middle of this huge housing market boom 
um, that we were able to snatch it up because yeah, we could have bought raw land for what we purchased it for, but to have an, a covered arena and it's just, it's a beautiful facility. And this morning, um, Brand and I were on the front porch, just like saying all the parts about it that we were grateful for. So, um, we, every morning are incredibly grateful for being able to wake up there and be away from the city. I love it. And it does sound like you said, like a God thing, like it just timing was right. You know, the ideas came and it was there. So that's awesome. I love to hear that. Um, and then you talk a lot about Alex. For those of you that don't know, Alex is um, Fallon's husband and Brand is her son. He is how old now? Oh my gosh. He's almost a year. He's eight months. Yes. Eight months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's going to be a year in February. That's insane. My daughter is a February baby as well. And I remember I your due date was like a day after hers and I was, or your due date. Yeah. It was a day after my daughter's birthday. I was like, what if they have the same birthday? That'd be so cute. But you went, you went like a month over almost. It seemed like. Oh, oh yeah. He took his time. He way took his time. I love it. It was, that was the hardest hardest process was just waiting because, you know, when you've never had a baby before and, um, I decided to go the all natural route and have him at home. And when you're just waiting, you think like, Oh, maybe that was a contraction. No, I'm not that tough. Okay. Maybe this was a contraction. No, I'm not that tough. So it was, it was a right. long time. And long I can't process. wait to get into talking about him coming a little bit later in the pod, but with Alex, it was so cool. Cause when I, like I said, I've been following you forever. So I saw your journey. I remember the iconic tattoo arm picture on Instagram when you broke the, <laughs> the when you broke the picture. internet. I'm so, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do it. We're just going to put a tattoo arm out. It could be anyone's arm really. They and don't it even was know. amazing. It was, it was good. Yeah. But like, do you know, do you know how quickly people found him? They found him so quickly. People are insane. People are crazy. <laughs> That is wild. Well, and it makes sense then why you had to move because you could probably post a picture yeah. of like a rock on your property and people can like find where it is. Um, so watching. Funny enough, I, I had a guy, we posted a picture of grass, of our boots in the grass. And he was like, you're in so-and-so Kansas. And we were like, and we were there. We were there. You're like, bye. So that was what was so crazy. <laughs> That's insane. That's wild. But watching like, you know, your relationship with Alex and you guys getting married and, and him being with man sports and all that and watching, you know, his journey to come like work for your companies and work with you and your companies. Tell us a little bit about that transition. Was that something that was always in the plan or was that something, another God thing that just decisions happened and it just made more sense? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, brand really changed our lives before he even got here. And um, we thought long and hard about how we wanted to, you know, when you're first pregnant, you're just like, I'm pregnant and it's a baby. And then as the baby starts to get closer, you start thinking we are going to be parents. And how are we going to do this where we don't miss any big moments and we can share in the responsibility of this. And there's not like a primary parent where we can try to like get this, figure out, you know, the, the way that this is going to work the best. Um, and we're very, very lucky and we're very fortunate. And I, I say that also we put in a decade of really hard work, um, to get to this point. So I think that when Alex kind of, he made the decision by himself and was like, I don't want to miss any big moments. Let's build an office. Um, you know, let me talk to my partner and just, you know, just see about stepping down and let's go full-time um, with ranch dressing. And that way I just don't miss anything. And it was just last week that 
brand started crawling and pulling up on stuff and me, and Alex just looked at me and he was like, I would have missed that. Like I would have missed that. So it's been really cool to be able to work together. I don't think we've ever been happier. Um, and I think this is in a perfect world where, you know, where the parents can do this. I think this is how it was kind of meant to be. You know, I think if we, if we rewind time to the 1800s and, you know, we're, we're working that way as a family unit. I think that's really kind of how this was intended. And I mean that in the highest honor of like, I can make a baby and I am intended to um, protect this baby with every bone in my body. The reason I thought about it that way is because it's really cool to see, can I be an entrepreneur and can I be successful at it? Can I be a barrel racer? And could I be the best in the world at it? could I be a wife and could I be really good at it? And then when you see what an honor it is to carry a child for those that have trouble doing that, I, I also had trouble doing that. So I see very much like, um, what feelings something said like that could bring up where it's, it, it is such an honor to be able to do it. And for those that can't, I just tell you, cause I'm 40 with a, with a newborn. So I, I feel so deeply for those people because I, I feel like looking at Alex stepping down and us working together just is this really cool family unit that I didn't, I just haven't thought about it this thoroughly. And until this moment in my life where we are doing it and it's, we aren't that far removed from, um, the humans that were here a long time ago. I don't really know how to say it, but it just, we haven't evolved that much. I, I tell Alex all the time and I'm, I'm pretty introspective and nerdy. And I tell him all the time, I'm like, is it possible that we peaked at the pyramids and we've just been backsliding down to um, apes that scroll all day? <laughs> like, have we, did it's we peak pretty at the pyramids much true, and we've though. just been getting dumber? It's true. And you know, it's so cool that you say that though, that like, that's how like the family unit is supposed to be because like, how cool is it that he's there, you know, as a dad and, and my husband also did a career change when our daughter came in order to be around more because there's so much things that he would have missed. And it's just like in this way that your family is now it's not like oh Alex is watching the baby it's like no like he's he's a parent like that's his job right yeah and it's it's absolutely like I want to be very sensitive to the people that that just simply can do not have the ability to make make that work for them too um because obviously this is ideal and it's unique and it's not something that's possible for everyone so I'm just so grateful for the opportunity that this is how we're able to structure how incredibly grateful I should be for this. Right. And for sure. Cause it, it's, I feel like, man, this is, it's kind of, ha- you know, not, I'm not trying to say like, oh, women should be barefoot and pregnant, but like, you know, it's very cool to have the opportunity to be like, I need to take a break and take care of my baby. Exactly. Right now. You know, it's, I think it's yes. really cool. And you know, someone, I know that with your son, like we'll get into it later. Like, you know, like you, well, you kind of talked about like you struggled with infertility for a second, um, a long while. And you know, thinking about maybe God's timing was there too, because was Alex ready to, you know, step down from man sports and come at that time, you know, maybe that timing was perfect in that sense. And also like you talking about uh, being very open about your really rough pregnancy of just being sick all the time, girl, I'm with you on this one. I was the Jesse Southerd glowing pregnant lady with my first one. And then this one, I'm like laying flat on the floor, like almost wanting to puke every day. And, but still in that sickness, like being like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I want to puke every single second of every day, but 
what a privilege this is to be able to like create a life and it's still the coolest thing ever. And I'm still so honored to be able to do it. Well, congratulations, by the way, on the baby boy. Maybe it's a boy thing. Maybe it's a boy thing. They say the gender things though, but I got friends that were sicker than a dog with their girl. So I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. There's no science. None of the wives tales were true with me. I know it's, it's so true. (laughs) None of it was true. I do. I do agree that the timing was absolutely perfect. You know, we went to the IVF clinic and, um, we tried a lot of things and read a lot of books and, um, Jesse did a lot of protocol on me that I think 100% helped, um, brand to be able to come into the world. And, um, the IVF doctors were so negative and they were so condescending. And it was just like, you know, just running through a buffet line of like, you're geriatric and you'll never have a baby. And then me being like, I'm okay with that. Like we love our life. Like we're okay with that, but I don't want you to tell me I can't do it because I've got a 23 year old brood mare with a baby on her side. That looks great. So it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. We just can't like that. That just seems so strange. Um, but I've been told that a lot in, uh, several scenarios in my life. So, you know, it was worth a shot to, read up on it, research, make some lifestyle changes. And, um, and I do want to say this on your podcast openly, because I, if anybody is struggling with, um, fertility issues, the books I read were, um, it starts with the egg. Um, I had to take off my acrylic nails. I did, I studied the research. I got my nails done. I love acrylic nails and I love all the things with acrylic nails. Um, and I was getting my nails done and my nail tech said, I've had nine miscarriages and the doctors just can't figure out why. And it struck something with me because I was deep in my journey and I Googled acrylic nails fertility. When I, when I did that research, um, it just showed overwhelming data of a correlation between acrylic nails. And and then that led me down this rabbit hole of all the things that I could change. We can't be perfect. Um, but then it led me to an article that said, if you, um, if women over 35, that get the, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called anymore, but you shoot dye through your um, fallopian tubes to see if there's any blockages. It's about $200. I booked with the IVF doctor and said, can I please go in and have you check me for blockages? And he was like, I'm sure you've read the study when I came in. He was like, I'm sure you've read the study where you've got a 53% higher chance of conception after this, um, this whole thing. But he was like, you don't drop eggs. So he's like, you can just give up now. And so I I was like, we're going to do it anyway. So we did it anyway. Um, I didn't know that the egg is created three months prior to when it actually drops. So I gave myself a solid three months to work on all the things that I could change about myself, my lifestyle for those three months. And then had that um, procedure done, which takes about 10 seconds. And they said, you have no blockages. You're not going to get pregnant. Have a great day. And then we were pregnant by the end of that month. So, um, you know, I, I I say to everyone struggling, um, this may not work for you, but maybe it could. Cause I get a lot of messages on Instagram when I give that same, like not advice, obviously I'm not a medical doctor, but when I'm like, Hey, just want to let you know, um, you know, maybe read this book, try for three months and then, you know, go get this procedure and see what happens. I've had over 10 people hit me up with, guess what? Thank you so much for that. I'm pregnant. So, you know, I love that. 
And, you know, it's such a sensitive topic when people are like struggling because you don't want to be like, oh, we'll try this, try this because right. you're, you know, people are so sensitive in that moment. Right. But, you know, ever since watching your journey and, you know, I follow your best friend, Jessie yep. on Instagram, I would love to have her on. I need to reach out to you her because should. the stuff that she's been sharing lately, it's like mind blowing. Like I, there's so many things in my house. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, do I need to have this? Here? And we, um, that's the lifestyle that we all live. So it's really cool. And I guess I'm a little bit private about that too. Um, and why I've gotten just a little bit more private because I think a lot of the decisions that we make as far as, um, trying to lead, um, the healthiest lifestyle we can, not for vanity, but for longevity, as I do more of that, you know, there's so many people that are just like, eh, you know, or, um, that's something that it's almost become a lot of it has become a lot of people's religion. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want people like, you know, don't go down the rabbit right. hole. Like you just do your thing, be happy, well, you know, Yeah. do your thing. But and I do think though that post COVID so many people have kind of like opened their so eyes to down the rabbit hole. <laughs> we are so down the rabbit hole. Like we wear tin hats in this house. Yes, like there so, is, <laughs> so I'm fully like, I'm just not going to share that. <laughs> right? like, do your thing. Just know that we're trying to be as healthy as we possibly can. Like we are for sure making choices that, um, are the best for us. And that's why I had my baby in my, in my living room, in my bedroom. So there exactly. you go. Which was inspirational by the way. <laughs> it you. definitely, you know, what's so funny is with the second one, I, I would love to have Jesse on and talk to her about her birth story too, because I, when I was in the hospital, I was lucky enough to have a vaginal birth, but I did, um, have to, they did give me Pitocin and they did the epidural and it was kind of like, I was not informed right. at all and no one, and I even asked questions and they still, you know, I was like, do I need the Pitocin right now? And they still, you know, whatever. I was just Ill, not informed at Did all. Did you know that Pitocin is illegal to give um, on the box? It's illegal to give while a child is within the womb unless that they are hooked up to all the monitor things. I didn't know that until my birth where I was, I was in Pitocin after labor and brand was here and they're weighing him and everything. And I turned white. I, my blood pressure went way low and my midwife gave me a toast and she was like, it's illegal to give this with a baby in your belly. And I was like, wait, a sec. and I'm learning this. Like my son is a minute old and I'm learning like that whole thing. And you can Google it. It's really crazy. And I think it makes, I think that women think that they can't endure labor because it's really painful. And I think that I've, I've been told that Pitocin is, um, they refer to it as like Satan's tears, um, that it makes your cramps and your labor (laughs) so intense that you then have to get an epidural, not realizing that labor typically, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really tough. Trust me. I I get it, but it's apparently like 10 times that in the hospital when you're given Pitocin, which is really crazy. But that's the thing is we have to have these conversations and talk about it. Otherwise, you know, women aren't going to know and they're not going to be informed. So I would shout it from the, from the rooftops. That's something that I'm, that's the hill I'm willing to die on is that, um, stop drinking purified water or water out of the tap and, (laughs) and, um, you can have your baby at home. Those are the, that's the two I'm willing to be wide open about those two things. Right. I love it. Well, and it's so funny. Cause like I was going to say, um, I, after your birth, I was like, Oh, told my husband, Josh, we're doing home birth. I want to do this. And you know what? He was like, babe, I support you in a lot of stuff. And he's like, 
but I was there for the first one and we can have this baby in the backyard. We can have this baby in the car, but I just don't know if I can see that happen in the place that I sleep. And I was like, you know what? I can respect this one boundary you have. So while we are doing a midwife and not an OB with this baby, I did respect his wishes of, cause he's like, if this was our first, I'd probably agree to it. But I saw what the hospital bed looked like after our daughter came out. And I don't know if I can see that in my house. We got a new mattress this week. I was like, <laughs> but it's really funny because they have a whole protocol for that. So they put down like a tarp and then this and right. then that. And your midwife runs in and like makes it look like nothing happened there, which is really great. Like they should be paid double just for that. Nikki was incredible. Right. You're like, I don't know how you cleaned all that up. It's it's a really cool process. I'm really excited for you to have, have a, a midwife and to have like so much information because you're second baby will be such oh, a breeze yeah. and the, the first cool one I feel experience. like is always you go through stuff and and without someone like you had your friend Jesse in your life kind of like helping you out with that and without all the research you did I just was ignorant and didn't research it enough you know with that research I feel totally prepared if you can get in the water if you do not have a breech baby so breech baby you can't get in the water if your baby's not breech you can get in the water so babies will so a breech baby if they start coming and you touch right. them, they'll aspirate inside. And the risk is really, really high. Um, so with, if you don't have a breech baby and you can be in the water, I was in the shower. Alex was in the shower with me with my, it sounds really bad, but it was with my doula and my midwife's checking on me. And, um, right. we had a really cool walk-in shower. So like you could have put a football team in there. It was great. But when the water hit me, they call it the midwife's epidural. You can't feel a thing of labor. And I was like, we do not plan on having a second child. That's not in our, our plans whatsoever. Yeah. So heads up if to all you little nosy Nancy's messaging yeah, on the yeah. Instagram every day. When is the second one <laughs> no. coming? Gosh. So if you see me pregnant, just know that that came out of left field for us. <laughs> right. Um, but we, if it were in the water, I wouldn't, I would have no fear. In fact, Jesse and I were texting yesterday that we follow this lady that does is having her second wild pregnancy, meaning no fetal monitoring, no checkups, no wellness, no nothing. And now after doing this once, I'm not saying that I would do it, but I'm not saying I wouldn't. Right. Do oh, I found a girl on TikTok that did that, that she didn't even know how far along she was, nothing. And she just did it at home. Didn't no other professional. Just rock and roll. Yeah. Just on her own. I was like, good for you. I would, st I would still make sure that Nikki and Cheryl were there at the time that right. the baby was coming, but <laughs> Like we do need all hands on deck. All right. We'll add that to the list. Water. I will be getting in a body of water then. Good to know. Um, so transitioning, um, kind of talking more about like, I, I could literally talk to you probably about this motherhood thing, the birthing thing forever, but I know a lot of people want to hear about so many other aspects of your life. Um, and I want to talk about your guys's new stallion. I know that you've been talking about adding a stallion to your program for a while, your breeding program, um, for those listeners that don't know. Fallon owns, you know, all of these amazing horses that her family kind of helped her set up at a very young age and kind of had the foresight to set, you know, you up with this dynasty, for lack of a better word, to create a line of horses. And I know you've been talking about adding a stallion for a while. I remember when you were talking about Flowbot potentially being your your stallion in the barn. Uh, but then you just recently uh, acquired this beautiful paint horse. Tell us about him. So... 
kind of back to the, I haven't been sharing just a whole, whole lot online. Um, I found that in the beginning of motherhood, and I think that a lot of people will struggle with this. I was having a hard time finding my next goal um, and trying to figure out like, what is that going to be? What is that next thing that we're looking at? And so one night I just was like, go back to the basics, get your notebook out, sit on the bed and just write out goals, like just write some things down. Like we got mega ranch. That was really cool. The dust hadn't even settled. And I just wrote down own a Ruby buckle stallion and then slash own a Ruby buckle spot, um, own a pink buckle stallion, own a pink buckle spot. And that Friday, I believe I got a call and I had purchased a mare from a lady named Casey. That was a Dr. Nick bar paint mare, um, earlier this year. And then I got a call and she said, I just want to talk to you about something and um, give me a call. And so I, I was like, I'm going to give this a day. I'm going to call her back tomorrow. I feel like this has something. And I told Alex, I feel like this has something to do with a Ruby buckle stallion because I had just written it down. And I just like, there's so much power in writing your goals down. And I hadn't done it in so long. Cause my goal was just get a human out of my body. And so like <laughs> that felt so daunting that I couldn't think about anything else. And then when she, when I got her on the phone, I put her on speaker and she said, I'm thinking about selling my stallion. His Ruby buckle spot would go with him. What do you think? And I said, I'm going to have to call you back. Give me a few minutes. And we bought him within the hour. Um, wow. T-Wagon is a special horse. Um, but we've wanted a Ruby buckle spot for a really long time um, because we have stallions of baby flow that we really want to see do well later. Um, so we, we wanted to be in that space where we could be a part of these really cool incentives that come up. Um, we didn't seek out a paint horse or a, we didn't seek out any, any certain thing. Um, but I do feel like I am one of the luckiest people on the planet. And um, through a lot of hard work, I think I find there's been opportunities that I've been able to take advantage of. And when T-Wagon was presented to us, I was like, man, I don't have any other paints. I have this one paint mare. How do I feel about the, you know, breeding a paint stallion versus a quarter horse stallion? Um, is this something that we want to be involved in, et cetera, et cetera. The more we started to think about it, the more it felt so right for us. Um, the APHA racing scene is growing and getting better. Um, this horse Besides the fact that he happens to be paint, he's sired by PYC Paint Your Wagon. His damn side has produced over half a million. This horse, my baby rode yesterday. Like he's the kindest, kindest horse you could ever be around. He's drop dead gorgeous. All of the things um, that we didn't expect. So what's pretty funny is like, I think in our perfect world, you know, God already has a plan worked out for you. And our plans rarely look like what his plans look like. So I think that made us a little bit more flexible with like, okay, this is maybe not how we envisioned it because we kind of thought this would be our own stallion, but to go and purchase a stallion makes a lot of sense. Now we can cross the stallion on our mares. You know, we can't cross the stallion I raise. I can't breed to my own stallion. Um, if with any of my mares. So, um, it just, it, it's just been a really cool thing. Casey, who we purchased him from has been, an absolute dream to work with and to kind of help guide us along the way to make 
um, the segue into standing a stallion a lot easier and help to answer all of our questions. She has a stellar reputation um, in the paint incentive world. That's a world that we're very new to, um, to go in and help us figure out like, what are all the incentives that we should pay this horse into, which is extremely expensive. So we're very excited for him to be, you know, Ruby Buckle and now a Breeders' Challenge Stallion. Um, it's extremely expensive, but I think the feedback that we've been getting from T-Wagon and people that breed primarily to paint horses has been overwhelmingly exciting. And so we're just, we're, we're stoked about it. I'm stoked to own him. And I think that yes, we wanted a Ruby Buckle Stallion. We are shocked that we were able to make him a part of our family and shocked with what an incredible horse he is. In our mind, I think we we wanted we wanted that horse, but we didn't know exactly what it would entail. It's been a lot of work. It's like buying a business. Well, how cool that is. I absolutely love watching your journey of, with this new stallion and seeing all that happen. And talking about like, you know, your journey with this stallion and then talking about like, you know, pink buckle, ruby buckle, all of that. Talk to us a little about the um, futurities that you've been focusing on. It's been cool seeing you focus more on few torties then um rodeoing and kind of give people a little insight on that what's been the the driving force behind that sure so you know i pink buckle and ruby buckle to start are there's over three million dollars up for grabs um, at various events and um the cool thing about futurities and these events across the country is that you get to be in one place for a week and you have almost a year heads up of where you're going to be. So it's really exciting. We travel with a baby now um, with one of my best friends, Cody, my videographer, my husband, and my dad, who's 83. So it's really exciting. Rodeo is very exciting, but it's also very exciting um, because four years ago, um, three years ago, I started breeding to have all of these fraternity colts. And then here we are, 2022, um, they're all of age. So it's time to start rocking and rolling. But um, the main inspiration behind fraternities is that they land um, a lot of the big ones at the time when rodeo is not going on. So I'm not taking a step away from rodeo. However, we need something to fill up that October, November, December space because our rodeo horses, um, they're rusty come January. And so we want everybody to be legged up and ready and this to be the year that um, those horses come January can go to Denver, can go to Fort Worth or can go to wherever we qualify to go and have a competitive chance. The other thing, and I feel like I'm going to speak to every person that's never had kids or is hesitant to have kids. Um, I, my DMs have been filled my entire life um, on Instagram, my entire social media life um, with women that are like, I lost a part of myself when I had kids and I just am not the same. I just don't, I don't even know what I'm pursuing or what I should pursue. Um, I'm scared that I'm not ever going to be, you know, as great at my hobbies as I was before. And I don't resent my husband and my children for that, but I just, I've lost a part of myself. And so we very quickly, all as a team, we're like, let's have a goal for barrel racing for after brand is here. So, you know, I had him in February. I went, I competed at a barrel race six days later. Do not recommend. Um, but <laughs> I saw you, know, you do that, that and I was scared. <laughs> I was but like, I don't think I'd my, be able to do that. <laughs> my own, um, you know, superstition from hearing that feedback from women for so long um, was that, okay, I need, I need to make a run. Like I need to do this. And so, um, 
so I did and it felt fine. And then I was like, okay, we need to take a step back. And it took me several months before I felt like myself. Like I would say this month, I feel the most like myself that I ever have. Um, so it's, you know, it's a long journey. It takes nine months in nine months out, um, takes a long time to start feeling like your body is really doing it. So, um, we wanted to set a goal for fall. That would be something that is timed that has a, a end date and a start date so that I have to be held feet to the fire, stay focused and not just wander. When you start to like, when your mind starts to wander of like, what am I even striving for anymore? you can go to a dark place so quickly and kind of just stop feeling like you have value as a person. Um, so I wanted to have that November 15th thing looming over my head, even though I didn't really start my culture on the barrels till June. Um, I wanted that looming November 15th, November 15th. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming to kind of keep myself on pace. Um, you know, keep my, fitness where I wanted it and, um, uh, be sure that I was the kind of mom that had a routine down enough where I could go run my horse. And, you know, my husband wouldn't just be stranded with a screaming baby and like all of those various things, that goal, having a date on it was my main inspiration for going to a fraternity. Now on the horse side of it, what they've done is they've allowed the derby horses. Um, so the horses after their fraternity year to have three years total for their derby year. So fraternities are at four and five. And then the Derby is three years after that fraternity year, um, which means that they get to run at this age limit money for a lot longer. Um, which just means that people are valuing the fraternity horses beyond their fraternity year. And I just think that's really cool. Um, because I can have success on a fraternity horse, sell that horse and the next owner can still enjoy the benefits of the, all of these incentives. And vice versa, I can keep my fraternity horses at fraternities and derbies on really good ground until they're mature enough to go to some rodeos. So I just think it's a really, really cool goal to have. Of course, we're going to shift to rodeo when January comes around, but um, it's a really cool goal with a deadline. And, and if, if nobody takes anything else away from anything I've said, um, have a goal with a deadline with like a hard date, a very specific goal with a very specific date is magic. Well, and I love that what you said about, you know, when you had that baby and you had the foresight to know ahead of time, like I need to set a goal. I think that's such a good piece of advice for expecting mothers because especially expecting mothers that are super goal-driven, super, you know, into their businesses and their hobbies and that kind of stuff. Because, you know, you when you're pregnant, you're just in this bliss of, oh my gosh, this baby's going to be here and it's going to, it's with the person I love and everything's going to be complete. And then, you know, the baby gets there and then your hormones are everywhere. You feel like you can't do what you want to do and your body can't do the things it used to do. You don't feel like, quote unquote, your old self, which I think you're not supposed to feel like your old self. I think you're definitely supposed to go through a lot of change. But that's a very good piece of advice to have like a set goal for nine months, a year out, just something that's obtainable to keep you on track with things that fill your cup. What I wanted to add on to what you're saying is... um while it's really amazing to have a goal, because you, you do need that, a goal and a deadline, um, especially if you're coming out of a bad relationship or you're starting a new job or whatever it may be, you're at whatever place in your life. It doesn't have to be postpartum. But if you happen to be postpartum, don't let anybody take away from the fact that that accomplishment is one of the most miraculous accomplishments ever of this entire world. We're all here because of mother's procreating. So I think that that's one thing that I think that the world has started to take away from us as we've started to 
um, you know, drift away from calling them mothers or breastfeeders or all of the things that we're trying to dilute um, this accomplishment um, while you're in the middle of no sleep and your hormones are all over the place and your life has permanently changed and you don't feel the same and you're now fearful of everything because that's just kind of um, what what happens as biological, um, you know, the, the biological makeup of this really cool miracle is that it makes you afraid of everything biologically so that you protect your young. Um, don't let anybody say, but what are you going to do next? You know, oh, but what's your next thing? I just cloned myself. So if you could give me a minute, <laughs> I just cloned myself and a human just crawled out of my body. And that's a really big deal. And um, I think that I wish that more emphasis was put on how cool of an accomplishment it is um, to have a baby and raise a family, because I think we've gone so far from that, that it feels like you need to be accomplishing all of these things and having a baby. And while I think that's really cool, and I'm definitely in the middle of that, um, it's, it's cool enough just to have the baby and to fill your cup up um, is really important just to make sure that you are 100% and your baby gets to experience you as who you were before they came along. Exactly. Wow. That is really good advice. And two week postpartum Cheyenne that was crying in her gliding chair in the nursery needed to hear that. So for all of you yes. new moms or moms that are about to be, you need to hear this. This is definitely some advice. Did, did you sleep two hours? Congratulations. Exactly. That's an accomplishment. Did, yeah. Were you, oh my did you not cry while you pumped? Congratulations. Exactly. That's an accomplishment. Oh my gosh. And speaking of pumping, it seems that the breastfeeding, you know, and, and going on to kind of what we were talking about, with, um, you know, the kind of the holistic hippy dippy stuff that we're kind of, you know, evolving to, yep. I think post COVID, a lot of us are, um, give us some tips on how that breastfeeding journey has become to fruition. Cause girl, let me tell you, that was the hardest six months of my life that I did. And this next baby, I'm going to need all the <laughs> tips on how to do it because no I could, sets you I up. could talk about this for two hours. I love it. I could talk do about it. this for two hours. Do it. If it was like not weird, I would video, I told, um, one of the girls in the warehouse that, um, I love dearly, she's pregnant. And I was like, if it weren't so weird to like video or just be like, here, I'm going to show you on my breast. Like, why is it weird? Um, you know, girl, I don't I know this next baby why FaceTime me and show me because I'm going to need all of that. I, I was went, on FaceTime with my lactation lady, like showing her like <laughs> how to I will 1000% FaceTime you with my boob. Please out. do. Like, uh, we need I, that. If we'll each have our boob out person... in the baby's, it, it's going to be a whole thing. So please let's do it. <laughs> That's how it needs to be because it shouldn't be so taboo. Um, and again, getting back to Jesse, she was like, I had such a hard time with this and I want you to try as hard as you can because this is one of my big regrets is that I didn't get a lactation consultant and I want you to try as hard as you could. And I am an all or nothing kind of gal. So I did go very hard in the paint. Now, had it not been for Alex, um, I'm always surprised by his ability to care about detail. And I was very shocked every time that I would be screaming and crying and, you know, I'm not going to get this baby fed and how am I going to, you know, I, I'm not doing it right. And I think my supply is low and why won't he latch? And when I was doing all those things, he would be like, I, I don't want to be insensitive, but I think you should try again because, um, I think that this is a really important bond that you're going to not want to have missed. And if it hadn't been for those two people being so influent, 
influential over this one chapter of postpartum life, I would have quit. And all of my friends. And that's just a testament to to how important it is to have such good people in your life, like husband, friends, like you need a support system. Exactly. And all of my friends also, I would like to add all of my friends also were like, and if you can't do it and your baby needs to be fed, we are all on board with you. Should you wave the white flag? Like you will not get judged any way around it. And we're proud of you either way. And this is a really big deal. And so, um, so for tips. Okay. So when he went to latch, we noticed when he, when he was born right away, Nikki told us like, Hey, he's got a a tongue tie. You need to get that figured out. So at a couple of weeks in, he was able to latch right away. And then at like two weeks, he no longer latched and he would just scream at my boob. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? And the, if you've never had a baby and your baby won't latch, you go through a downward spiral of emotion that you are the worst human on the planet that is literally unfit to be a mother. Bingo. And so literally is the epitome of the emotion. That is the emotion right there. (laughs) You just cry and you cry and you're just like, I'm unfit and I don't even know why I'm on the planet. And it's a whole deep, dark thing. So just let me save you. You don't have low supply. You simply, your baby doesn't need much in the beginning. And as your baby latches, your baby will create more. So if you're, this is what I found. If you try to pump and breastfeed, what you're going to do is judge yourself with how much you can pump. So if you can pump an ounce and you think your baby, because the books say your baby needs three ounces and you can only pump one, you're going to think your supply is low. When in fact, that's just the overage. So you're not able to pump more than your baby needs because your baby is giving you the hormone prolactin and telling your body exactly how much to make. You are trying to get water from a stone by getting more than that so you can have like a backup supply. Well, the backup supply, the baby, because, you know, they're just meant to be latched to you. um, The baby doesn't ask your body to make a lot more than it needs. So then you go in the spiral of, I must not be making enough for the baby and I have low supply and that's why the latching is going poorly is because the baby can't get milk out. And every YouTube video tells you that that's true. So then you really spiral. Um, when in fact it's, it's just like, let the baby latch. The baby's going to tell you how much. And what was my peace of mind was having a baby scale and being able to weigh my baby once a week and know that my baby is growing. He's thriving. He's got all that he needs. Um, Cody made me, um, tits ahoy. (laughs) cookies the lactation cookies that we named tits ahoy <laughs> the best genius i'm obsessed we need drop a recipe i'm pretty sure you put the recipe up there we're gonna need that again i think so you guys will have to hit cody up on her instagram if she's gonna share that um because it's a holistic recipe and um it was really great and it did make a massive difference um in my supply but that being said um if you're exclusively breastfeeding your baby Um, you don't make just a ton. Like you have, you have more of what's called like hind milk or whatever. That's super, super fatty. And it doesn't take a lot where if I were mixing formula and by the way, formula is not the devil, but if I were mixing formula, um, I would be mixing up at this point, like five ounces or six ounces or seven ounces. And my, I may be producing two at a feeding, but it's hind milk and Breast milk is really cool. If you, there was a TikTok of breast milk under the microscope. It's literally a living thing. It has stem cell and it. it has all this really cool stuff. And, um, 
I think also with breastfeeding, and I'm all over the place, but I just want to say, I think that we have tried to make women try to take a little power away from them. I think somebody somewhere was like, women are really cool. We've got to make them feel less cool about themselves. Women making milk that is literally the medicine that the baby needs, no matter what ails the baby, if it's teething, if it's fever, if it's whatever, the fact that the prolactin from the baby makes the mother magically produce the medicine for the baby to ensure that the baby never gets sick and in some way telling her that she's inadequate and that that process needs to be replaced by what some dude made in a lab is criminal. It is absolutely criminal. That being said, again, formula is not the devil and feed your baby. But, and I, I went eight weeks crying every single day, 56 days before my baby latched and was able to be exclusively breastfed. So all of that to say, you're a miracle. You're really cool. Don't let anybody tell you you're inadequate. You can do it. Keep trying. Don't give up. There's not like, if I have a horse outside that doesn't latch, we hold the mom, we help the baby latch and boom, they're off and going. That's kind of how it felt for me. I watched every YouTube video, nothing helped. Um, I had a lactation consultant that said I was overproducing really wish that I had not tried to slow down my production of milk because maybe then I could have pumped and had extra bottles lying around. Um, but the more that I find that I mother like I'm a caveman, the more I find peace and that it really works out. I love that. So I hope that makes yes, sense. Yes, no. And this is all such valuable information. Like the biggest thing that women like you were saying is women think that they need to, you know, make the same amount pumping and the piece of information you talked about saying that what you make for your baby, you know, is enough. It's enough. It's enough. And we don't hear that enough because I think in this day and age, we're on social media too much. And we see so many other people's journeys and compare ourselves. And we see those girls on TikTok that have four freezers full of just like Ugh. bags and bags of milk. Yeah. And, you know, this is at no, no fault to my best friend, but my best friend, God bless her. She is a milk cow and she is yep. a phenomenal milk producer. And so she would pump and get 20 ounces in a pumping. And uh, when I was working nights and I'd had to pump at Whoa. nights, yeah, 20 ounces. And and I equally felt as bad <laughs> for her as I felt for me. Cause I'm like, those things must oh, be yeah. so full. But then I would go <laughs> pump, you know, at 1am when I was working nights at the, at the vet hospital and I would get half an ounce on each boob and just cry, you know, during my shift, like, why am I not making enough? Yeah. And, and it's so important to hear that you are making enough for your baby. <laughs> So Cody reminded me the other day of this and I, I, it was really cool to hear. Um, but a lot of people have said like, you know, don't let your baby latch for more than 30 minutes on each side. Um, because then they start burning more than they're eating. And Cody was like, don't forget how lucky you are. Cause your baby literally, he latches for like maybe three minutes on each side and that's a meal time. So whatever I'm producing and my baby is chunky and big. So, oh yeah. So I, he's not missing any meals. Um, but that's like three to five minutes is like a whole feeding for me. And, um, I think if I didn't have the experience that I had, I would believe the YouTube videos and be like, why isn't he eating for 30 minutes? You know, why, why did he just eat for three to five minutes? Is there something wrong with me? Um, so it's, it's really cool, um, that every single baby does it differently. And I'm eight months in now. And my goal is to go a year that's my big, big goal. And I'm going to throw a party for myself when I'm done because breastfeeding is still really hard. You know, it consumes eight hours of your day and 
it's kind of a thankless job. You know, the baby's just rocking and rolling and you're a big milk cow and um, you can really resent that very quickly. Um, so taking yourself off the cross a little bit and being like, I'm not a victim. I'm a, I'm a miracle. And this is a really cool thing that I'm able to do, um, is really important when you're deep in this journey. Exactly. And I can't wait to see you celebrate that one year party. That better be the best freaking party ever. Cause like you said, <laughs> it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It is the feeding the baby bottle, formula, boob, anything. Feeding a baby is hard. so hard keeping them alive. <laughs> and you know what? All- I had to tell myself the first couple weeks, you know, you're deep in that hole. The first couple weeks, you don't really know who you are. You know what's going oh, yeah. on. And I, my mom just would crack up every time I'd say it, but I said, women did this in wagons coming across the continental I- U S so I can keep this it's thing so- alive in my posh nursery. It's so funny. Every single time that like you know, he's, I, I'm trying to treat him like a second or third child because everybody tells you like, oh, with your first, you're too overly cautious. And then, and so Alex and I are very mindful to try to like, um, not worry too much about things. And, um, we kind of believe more in desanitization than like keeping everything sterile. So as he's crawling around or doing whatever, I'm like, remember they did this, like, you know, Dutton style in a covered exactly. somewhere. Like you are not the first person to have a baby you know, when we ride horses wherever, or I, you know, throw him on the saddle or I carry him while I'm doing something or he's on the mule and Alex is like, Oh, you know, we probably, I don't know if we should put this on Instagram because we're going to get criticism. And I'm like, yeah, but at this point, like that's how did these people do it back in the day when they were bathing them in an ice cold river? Exactly. And you know, all of those things. Oh yeah. And so you know what? We're trying to raise him on the ranch grass fed beef. And exactly. Sunshine. And you know what? Having them out on the ranch, my daughter regularly just like runs into the pasture and is like licking the salt block and like dunking her head in the water trough. So I think we're doing fine. Keeping them <laughs> immune sufficient. <laughs> I see nothing wrong. With Absolutely that. nothing wrong with it. Oh my gosh. Well, Fallon, this has been the best interview and I could keep interviewing you forever, but I know we both have to get on with our days. I'm going to wrap it up here with a question that we ask every single uh, person that we have on. What is the biggest piece of advice or takeaway someone can learn from this story? I think that the biggest takeaway is just make sure that your goals have a deadline and make sure that you're celebrating every small accomplishment, every accomplishment. If you, especially if you're somebody that um, tends to be a little low on dopamine, if you get out of the house today and your hair is not matted, congratulations. If you're somebody running high on dopamine that's accomplishing a lot, make sure to pat yourself on the back even though there's somebody doing more than you. Um, Celebrating big and small equally, and making sure that all your goals have a deadline, I think would be life-changing for almost anybody. That is awesome. I cannot wait for people to hear this interview, Fallon. I am so excited for it. Um, and that being said, I can't wait to see you at the Futurities next week and see you guys in Vegas coming up here for National Finals Rodeo with the Ranch Dress and Tactical Booths. Fallon, thank you so much for being on here. You have no idea. You kind of like made a dream come true being on this podcast today. So... Dude, thank you so much. I am just absolutely honored. You've been doing amazing work for women in our industry, and we're so grateful for what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. You have no idea how much that means to me. Well, we will wrap it up here uh, with Brand in the background, giving us some commentary. (laughs) We will see you guys next Wednesday for another episode of the Women in Western podcast.